The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Sun is shining. It's a beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. The Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you here on ESPN 106.7. Joined by a surprise guest today, Christian Clemente of Auburn 247, the recruiting guru, as I have labeled him a Christian. Appreciate you coming in, man. Yeah, happy to be here. Lots going on, huh? I know it's busy. You're always busy, though. I mean, you're always busy. Well, unless you're the previous staff, you're always recruiting 24-7, 365. (laughs) Um, Uh, So, yeah, it's been... What would you say is your, like, quiet period? Because I know, like, during the fall, you've got visits every weekend that you're tracking, and then, obviously, as soon as the season ends, it feels like everything goes off the rails for, like, two months. It's pretty much, like, next month, February, because February is a dead period. Um, Yeah. Because, like, the only other month that would really be like that is July. But at that point, you're always looking forward to Big Cat at the end of the month. Right. You know, at February, the only thing you're looking forward to are spring visits. But it's not like those are scheduled super far in advance. And it's not like it's a big event. Um, and so, you know, February, I'm definitely going to be enjoying next month. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, there's a lot going on right now. It is a massive weekend on the plains for Auburn football. We're going to get into that here in this first hour with Christian Clemente. We're going to talk all things Auburn football recruiting, what the staff is doing well, maybe some things they could even do some better on, uh, talk about who's going to be here this weekend, why it's so important, why this is one of the biggest weekends we've seen for Auburn football in a long time. We're going to break all of that down. Uh, we might get into some basketball basketball with Christian as well if he's up to it but hey phone lines are open if you have any questions for us for Christian talking Auburn football recruiting we'd love to hear from you phone lines are open today 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 and Christian we'll jump right into it there is no hiding the fact that this weekend uh, you can use any adjective that you want uh, huge massive important uh, whatever you want to go with this weekend is crucial for Auburn and Hugh Freeze. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the, you know, it's the first big recruiting event of the Hugh Freeze era, and it's one of the biggest recruiting events we've seen in a couple of years, um, even dating back to the Gus Malzahn era. Gee, I wonder what the <laughs> different, uh, the, the difference in variable is there. <laughs> well, you know, it's, Look, it's huge. Not only is this a junior day, but there's underclassmen, 2025s, even some 2026 guys, a 2027 quarterback out of Thompson that people already know pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I saw um, that. But especially in the Auburn area. Yes, <laughs> but you know, it's a huge. At this point, you've got pretty much a little under a year to go for these guys, and unfortunately for Hugh Freeze and his Auburn staff, they're already a year behind on most of these 2024s, just because that's what recruiting is now. It's a two-year cycle. Um, and so they'll only have a year. So they've got a, you know, some of these guys that they've got coming in are committed to other schools already. Um, and we'll get into some of those names. But, you know, it's just 
it's it's kind of catch up time. It's an opportunity for a lot of these guys that have been to Auburn before to return, get a new look at the facility, get in the new facility. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, check out the stadium and all that stuff, but mainly get to know these new coaches, get to know the new Auburn. You know, there's been a handful of visitors over the past couple of weekends and some guys that came in um, on last Monday for MLK Day, most notably Walker White, the quarterback. Um, but it's just kind of been, you know, the messaging has been from recruits, you know, this is a new Auburn. One of the guys that we talked to uh, last weekend was five-star Ryan Williams, the 2025 out of Sarah Land, committed to Alabama. His dad played at Auburn, though. And look, he said, and, you know, and we had we had known it. He visited for the Penn State game, and he left, I think, after, like, the first quarter. Mm. Um, none of the coaches really spoke with him. Our Jason Caldwell actually spoke longer with him than anybody else did. Isn't that crazy to hear crap like that? Like, isn't that insane just to think about that actually happened at Auburn? Yeah, it is. Um, and, you know, he after his visit, he said, look, I didn't really like it the last time I came up here, but this was a new Auburn. This is a, you know, this is more enjoyable. So God, that, if that doesn't sound like a Keldrick Falk quote of the past month, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what is because Keldrick Falk said, what, in two weeks he had a better relationship with Hugh Freeze than he did Brian Harson, and Auburn was always his number one. And, you know, he just wasn't comfortable there for whatever for whatever reason mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever it was yeah and, and, and now so, magically Hugh Freeze all the door opens for him to come to Auburn right and so not only is Auburn having to just recruit kids right they normally do this staff is having to go out and convince all of these kids and their parents and the in the schools and everything like this is a new Auburn like you've been talking about this is not the Auburn of of a year or two ago this is it is may not even be an Auburn of what we were seeing in Gus Malzahn this is completely new completely different and that's how you try to get guys in the door because like we talk about all the time I think we have this conversation just about every time we have you on Christian is Auburn sells Auburn like if you get them here Auburn will do what it does yeah absolutely you know this staff is kind of facing an uphill battle to where you know a guy like Ryan Williams or some other guys might be soured and might not even want to come up and visit again so they kind of have to convince them to come up and visit at that point you almost get an advantage because it was so bad previously that all of a sudden it's like holy cow Auburn is awesome right Um, you know this is this is nothing like what it was like before Um, and so that's kind of what this weekend well Saturday will be about with junior day um, and with some of these guys and maybe Auburn picks up a commit or two I'm not ruling it out Um, not necessarily expecting it though Um, and so it, look, it's going to be a huge weekend right now on the list. You know, these are only guys that we've confirmed and that have confirmed with us. Um, we have 42 guys. I know there are more than that. I know there's probably 50 of just some guys that I haven't added to the list. Um, and in all honesty, you know, like I said, those are only names that we've confirmed. I'm expecting probably close to 70 or 75 recruits on campus wow. on Saturday. Um, and you know, not all of those guys are going to be offer guys. Not all of those guys are going to be Auburn targets. Um, but I think a good portion as many as like 45 to 50 of those guys will be you know Auburn targets that have an Auburn offer or guys that are on the board at least um so it's going to be it's going to be a chaotic saturday so you mentioned that this staff is already in a hole like they're already behind because they haven't been able to build the relationships relationships up with the 24 class um like some of these other staffs around the country but how much um worse is it because it feels like this staff may be having to do some version of damage control and actually like rebuilding even more so because of what the last staff did. 
Yeah, that's definitely a part of it. And I think that's what you've seen. You know, the coach has been out on the road as much as possible over the past couple of weeks um, today. How many to, how many times has this Auburn staff been to Central? And how many times <laughs> did Brian Harson's staff go over two years? Prob- uh, this staff might have already been there more in all I, I, I think that's a legitimate, like, <laughs> that's plausible. Yeah. So, you know, that's the biggest thing right now is the staff is trying to repair relationships, build up those relationships at schools. They've been... They've been all over. They've been Florida. They've been hitting Georgia. They've been hitting Alabama. They've been in Texas, Tennessee, the Carolinas. You know, they've been they've been all over the place doing that. And the one advantage, you know, the staff does have is you know, Hugh Freeze is a former high school coach. He's got familiarity with the South. A lot of these guys do. You know, they've been hitting Mississippi really hard. Ron Roberts has connections there. Jeremy Garrett played in Mississippi, mm-hmm. um, so they've got good connections. And so they're kind of like it is with the recruits it's the same with the high school coaches showing them the new auburn showing them kind of you know what this coaching staff is about that continues on friday um hugh freeze is speaking at uh the alabama coaching something coaching association coaching (laughs) clinic whatever it is you know all the high school coaches are there and hugh freeze is speaking at it so brian harson would never would never he would never do that and that that and we joke about it and we you know poke fun at it but it's the reality is that those like those things you just talked about, none of that was happening when Brian Harson was here. And it just baffles me. And I think we're all just still wondering what oh, yeah. in the world is going through his mind when he's here of like he I think he was truly convinced he didn't have to recruit and people would just come to him. Well, well that's yeah, what it absolutely. Was at Boise, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I've said this before. Brian Harson, when he got the job at Boise State, he woke up on third and thought he hit a triple because Chris Peterson and the coaches that came before Chris Peterson had built Boise into the premier Mountain West program that basically that school recruited itself in that league. They got the number one recruiting class basically every single year. It's a state school. Whether you tried or not. And so he was able to have more talent than everybody. And then I think he was able to cultivate this idea that he was able to coach his guys up and didn't have to recruit. This is me speculating. Didn't have to recruit as hard because he had the most talent. And so when he came to the SEC, I think he thought he could do the exact same thing, which makes no sense mm-hmm. to anybody that has half a brain and knows the knows the Southeast. Well, and that's the problem is he didn't know the Southeast. He, he, he's a Boise, Idaho guy. I mean, you're, you're people, not... Well, it's, it's also the fact that people tried to help him and he ignored yeah, it. Which is, which is fun. something that I talked about when he got here and when we started to hear some of these things. It's like, why is nobody giving this dude advice? Why did nobody tell this guy what he was getting into or help him out or try to assist him on some of this stuff? But turns out they were trying to. He just didn't want to listen. But where we're going with all this is it's literally night and day from what Brian Harson did in a year and a half, which was borderline nothing compared to what Hugh Freeze and this staff are doing less than two months into the job. And Christian, a conversation we had yesterday was talking about how, and you've already mentioned it a little bit, how this staff is already behind on the 24 cycle. Uh, but we've had conversations of, okay, look what Hugh Freeze and this staff did in about five weeks on the 23 class. Then the conversation has become, okay, what are they going to do in a full cycle? How are they going to, like, how much success will they have when they have a full year to recruit these guys? But bottom line is on 24, you're already behind because you've got to be recruiting them three, four years ago. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, I feel confident Auburn's going to be able to put together a really good class. I'm not ruling out a top 10 class in all honesty for 2024. Wow. Um, You know, I I think that's just, go ahead, Carter. 
I, I, I just I love hearing that because my friend over here, when uh, Brian Harson got fired, said it would be years before Auburn had a coach <laughs> that could get a top ten class. He told me Deion Sanders wouldn't be able to do it in twenty four. I disagreed there. I also disagreed with Hugh Freeze, but <laughs> Hugh Freeze. The effort level that you're seeing out of him, to me, is the biggest thing. I mean, he's this man is eat, sleeping, and breathing Auburn football, recruiting, doing whatever it takes to be successful. There's a hunger there that uh, I think has, has grown and grown and grown ever since the day that uh, he left Oxford. Yeah. Um, look, I don't know if Auburn can get top 10. I, think, I just think it's a possibility. I, I, would certainly, I think they can. I would, I would bank on top 15. I think top 15 is very realistic, which is where Auburn needs to be. Auburn needs to be at least top 15. Um, And so while they are behind, I think they've already done a good enough job. And the things I've seen from this staff, you know, not just at the top, but from other position recruiters as well, I think top 15 is certainly possible. Um, And, you know, that's what I talked about a little bit earlier. This weekend is not just 24s, it's 25s. You know, last weekend they had Ryan Williams in, that five-star that I was talking about. They had Alvin Henderson in who's widely considered like the number one running back in the country for mm-hmm. 2025 out of Elba. Yeah. Um, he said that was the best visit he's ever been on. Wow. Some um, of his quotes are awesome. Yeah. If you're an Auburn fan, if you're reading them, yeah. I mean, stuff like he's never had a coach uh, make that type of first impression on him the way that Hugh Freeze did. And if Cadillac ever says, hey, he wants him down here in Auburn, like he's coming basically like no questions asked. I mean, it's pretty exciting yeah, for 25. Yeah. Well, I feel like progress is being made. Oh, it is definitely being made. And I've talked to people who, who work at schools around the state, right? And when, when Hugh Freeze and, and Cadillac and other coaches go with him and visit these schools, the people that are not the athlete, like the teachers and the workers and stuff, they have great things to say about the staff, about how nice they are, how professional they are, uh, just how kind and, and welcoming they are. The Hugh Freeze and the staff, like they're talking about them and just – making a good impression and it's it's good to see that Auburn's being represented really really well and as you mentioned not just in the state of Alabama but in the surrounding states in the south because sure Alabama has a ton of talent but it's not just here yeah absolutely you know that's one of the biggest things that's one of the biggest takeaways about coaching visits especially at this point you know you're very limited in the contact you can have with the recruit you can have a I think it's a brief conversation but that's about all you can do um until you know you can do in homes um there in like December, very late in the recruiting cycle. So right now it's about being seen. It's about establishing with coaches, with people, you know, people get excited. Even if, you know, uh, some coach went to Florida or something like that Mm -hmm. and they played at Florida, but if Auburn shows up and, you know, you see that Auburn logo walk into the school, they get excited about it. That was actually one of my biggest like takeaways. Christian Robinson, uh, the former linebacker coach now at Baylor, when he was on the Huddle with Horse podcast, which is a sore subject, Uh-oh. but he was talking, <laughs> he was talking about how anytime he goes into a school, he wants to make sure that anybody that wants to take a picture, anybody that wants to talk to him, you know, he want he wants to do that. Um, and Christian Robinson is one of the greatest guys in the industry, mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic person, and he's completely right. You know, people get excited. It doesn't matter if you went to Auburn or not. It especially matters if you did go to Auburn. But even if you didn't go to Auburn, people get excited to see a coach. They get excited to see that logo, the you know the official logo, mm-hmm. an official coach coming in to my high school where I teach, stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, that's something that I think this staff understands really, really well. Do you think that – because I believe Christian Robinson's a really good coach. I think he's a great recruiter. Why didn't it work out at Auburn? Was uh, it was it handcuffed by by the previous staff 
and Brian Harson and yes. everybody above him? I think so. I think Auburn had a great staff for the most part. In all honesty, I think Rock Bellantoni was really good. I think yeah. Christian Robinson was good. I really, I really liked um, Bellantoni. Yeah, Zach Etheridge. I mean, we know what he is, and yes. he even still managed to fight his way through it a little bit. Cadillac Williams still managed to recruit pretty well. I think well, Hilliard was solid. The so. year before that, the the effort by Nick Eason and by Zach Etheridge to pull together yeah. a defensive class that was really good was so impressive to me. If you go back and look at the commits in that class, yeah, there's two position groups that vastly separate themselves from every other one in that class, and it's defensive line and DBs. Yeah. Dude, Nick Eason was a stud. Look I, at his Clemson recruiting class this year. It's ridiculous, he man. Was, you know, he was a stud. He's so – and you brought up uh, Ike Hilliard as well. That, He's the man. That that was such a great hire, man. I hated to see him go. I really did. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that it was – Ike Hilliard is a really good coach as well. Um, and, again, you can't get an accurate read on how these some of these coaches yeah. were in yeah. recruiting because of, I think, they were handcuffed so much. But I'm really excited to see what Marcus Davis can do, and I think oh, yeah. he might be a sneaky superstar on this staff. Yeah, well, yeah. no doubt. Well, well, we'll talk some more about the staff, the guys that are here. We'll talk about who's going to be on campus this weekend. Christian has 45 on the list, expecting somewhere near 70 guys on campus for Auburn football this weekend. We'll talk about it as we are off and running here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. If you want to call in, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. This is the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, joined by Christian Clemente from Auburn 247. Talking all things Auburn football recruiting. Uh, again, if you have any questions for us or for Christian, comments, concerns, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And Christian, some of the names that are on the list for this weekend. Again, you were talking, you have around 45 confirmed that are going to be here. You're expecting close to 70 guys on campus on Saturday for Auburn football. Who are some of the names that stick out to you that Auburn fans need to be aware of and possibly could commit over the weekend? Yeah, so let's start with commit watch. You know, these are just guys that reading tea leaves, my personal gut feeling, you know, how I know that they like Auburn. There's two guys that really stick out to me that are possibilities. And one is Jaden Lewis, uh, the cornerback out of Anniston. Really, really fast player. Number 176 player in the class. Zach Etheridge has been his primary recruiter for you know a couple of years now already, um, and he loves Zach Etheridge. You know, he talked with uh, Jason Caldwell for a story, I guess maybe two weeks ago now, mm-hmm. and you know Auburn had reoffered him very quickly, um, and he said that you know he got to FaceTime with the entire staff, the entire defensive staff, and then Coach Freeze for the reoffer, and he said that you know with the previous staff he had only ever really talked to Zach Etheridge and Brian Harson like once or twice, um, but this is a kid that loves Zach Etheridge, loves Auburn. Um, I, he wants to commit before his senior season. He's thinking about doing something this spring, and I think a good junior day on Saturday could potentially lead to a commitment. Could happen on Saturday, maybe mm-hmm. just a gut kind of guess there. And the other one that I'm really keeping an eye on is Jamarian Burnett, the mm-hmm. running back out of Andalusia. Uh, mini Derrick Henry, as I like to call him. <laughs> um, number he is really big. Yeah, six one two ten. I think he's bigger Gosh. than that now. Um, Wait, that's big in itself. Yeah, and he's number one hundred and sixty five player in the class. 
this is someone that Cadillac Williams has had on the board for quite a while now. Um, the biggest thing there for me is just kind of, you know, does he fit what Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery want at running back? I think I think Auburn wants to take two running backs this class. So if that's the case, you could definitely take him, even if he's not an exact fit, mm-hmm. and bring him in as kind of like the big bruising back and then bring in a smaller back that maybe fits what you're looking for or whatever it may be. So those are two names that I'm really keeping an eye on to potentially commit. Um, as for some other names that really stick out, you know, just scrolling through the list here real quick, Demarcus Riddick um, out of Chilton County, number 40 player in the class, Georgia commit, but he's still planning to come down here. There's Zion Ferguson, uh, LSU commit, cornerback commit out of the Atlanta area. Uh, you got Cameron Coleman, the big wide receiver out of Central Phoenix City. That's a big one. Alabama mm-hmm. just offered him earlier today. I think Alabama got a feeling that he was starting to lean towards Auburn and kind of leaning in a big way. Hmm. So I think they wanted to get involved there hmm. and really kind of leave their mark. Uh, top 247 safety, Travaris Banks out of Tuscaloosa. Uh, there at Northridge. That's another big name. I think Joseph, Phillip, Joseph Phillips is a name that Auburn fans should get pretty familiar with. Uh, he's playing there at a Booker T. Washington Tuskegee. Oh, yeah. This is his first year or last year. This fall was his first year playing football. Was a basketball guy. It's crazy. He absolutely lit it up, got offers from Auburn. Auburn was his first offer, and it was Cadillac Williams and the interim staff. Uh, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, every you know every top SEC school has now offered him, uh, and Auburn was the first offer him, and he said he grew up following Auburn, grew up liking Auburn. So Auburn definitely has a pretty – Pretty solid little inroad there, um, and then you've got you know some other top twenty twenty fives. Anthony Rogers, the running back out of Pike Road, one of the top running backs in the country. Antoine Hill, one of the top quarterbacks in the country for twenty twenty five. Anquan Fagans out of Thompson, the number one safety in the class, five star. Mm-hmm. Zion Grady out of Charles Henderson, five star edge. Wow, so some big names, big stars. These are all. 24 25 guys they won't dip into 26 this weekend will they've they? got they've got 26 a little bit okay um, okay they got a 27 quarterback in trent <laughs> seaborn hey oh they've got grayshawn swain um an edge out of aniston who, okay um wait no grayshawn grayshawn's a 25 they do have a 26 so it's hezekiah harris also out of aniston um mm-hmm. who already has an auburn offer and some other schools have offered him as well so yeah. it's mostly 2024 and 2025 um a few 2026s and that one 2027 in there as well so mm-hmm. It's it's mostly 24, though. That's the focus. And then some really talented 25 guys. You know what I like when you were reading through the names and a lot of those guys have already committed to another school, but yet they're still coming to Auburn for a visit because Hugh Freeze and all of the staff, and I, and I say it that way, Hugh Freeze and company, everybody on this staff has been doing a fantastic job. But there are a lot of guys on that list that you mentioned, some big names, big stars, big recruits that are committed to other schools, committed to other SEC schools, but yet... They're still coming for a visit because Hugh Freeze and company were not afraid to go and talk to these kids and say, yeah, you may be committed, but why don't you come check out the new Auburn like we were talking about earlier? I think that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at some of the visitors that have come in so far in January, like Perry Thompson out of Foley, committed Alabama. Uh, Marcus Davis makes him a priority. He comes in and visits, really likes it. Martavius Collins, a tight end, committed to Alabama as well out of the Georgia area comes in and visits early in January. Ryan Williams, like we've talked about. You have Demarcus Riddick, who I named out of uh, Chilton County, the linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jason and I went to go see him play basketball, and then we talked with him in person afterwards. And he's like, look, I don't have any hate towards Auburn. I like Auburn a lot. Auburn's always been fun. Um, and so, you know, he Freeze came to visit. And so I might as well go down there and see, 
see what it's all about. And if they show me enough love, Auburn can definitely at least be a factor in my recruitment. Wow. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at the fact that this staff in what two, three weeks. Uh, I mean, I mean, even if you want to give a little more credit going back to Cadillac staff, was was Darren Reed? Was that a commit to Cadillac's interim staff, or was that a that was, commit that was, to that was interim? Okay, and he was an LSU commit before that, correct? Yep. Okay, so from really the end of the Brian Harson era, you look at how the interim staff and the current staff was able to flip so many guys. I mean, Sylvester Smith, Tennessee, mm-hmm. Keldrick Falk, FSU, Stephen Johnson, Arkansas, Darren Reed, LSU, uh, Kyan Lee, Ohio State. I mean, Clay Whedon was a Mich- – I mean, that's old staff, but that's a Michigan State flip. Um, Hood, Hood, he was a Michigan State flip. There's, and Connor Liu, Miami. Like, they did so much damage flipping commits in a short period of time. Give them a whole year, I think, that – they absolutely have a shot with basically anybody they get on campus. Um, but I do want to bring up a couple guys that you mentioned. Jaden Lewis was a guy that you mentioned the last time you were on as a potential 24 guy. Do you, uh, and we may have to get to it after the break. I'm curious what you think that this this weekend, how many commits Auburn could end the weekend with? Uh, if I was set in like the over-under line, I'd set it at like one and a half. And one I, and a half on top of what they already have, so like two and a half. Uh, oh, are you talking about what, oh, so, in total? So they, like they, adding they to have, a lane. They have a mon lane already, and I guess we can talk more about <laughs> okay. this after yeah. the break. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll get into some more of it when we come back. Got to get to a commercial break, pay the bills. But we're talking Auburn football recruiting with Christian Clemente of Auburn two four seven. Give us a call with your questions, comments, concerns three three four three two one thirteen ninety. More Auburn football recruiting talk when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, joined by Christian Clemente of Auburn 247, the recruiting guru. As we're talking all things Auburn football recruiting, it's a huge weekend uh, for Hugh Freeze and the staff on the Plains. And we were getting into uh, the specific guys that are going to be on campus, uh, some of the big names. A lot of them are committed to other schools, a lot of SEC schools, but yet Hugh Freeze and the staff went and got him and said, hey, why don't you come and take a visit and see what we're about? I want to ask you, Christian, I think we've we've had this conversation before, but it's interesting. This weekend on Saturday, there's going to be, in your prediction, 70-plus guys somewhere around in there on campus on Saturday. What are they going to do? You, you know, that's a good question. I don't know exactly <laughs> what they're going to do. I know roughly, you know, though, I believe the plan is to start at the stadium and they'll have lunch there and do – they're going to do some of the – a lot of it's going to be the normal visit stuff, in all honesty. You know, check out the stadium, stadium tour, tour the new football facility, meet with position coaches, meet with strength coaches, do kind of those meetings. In this in this sense, it'll probably be more of group meetings a little bit because there's so many guys, um, but they'll do that. I'm sure they'll have some fun activities like Big Cat Weekend usually does um, there in the football facility as well. I don't know exactly what they're doing, but that's kind of the plan. I'll be honest, if I was, if I was a coach with the – video board on the uh in the stadium i would on a junior day like this i would create a 
Madden tournament playing on the video. <laughs> Madden, Mario Kart, Call that? of Duty, something. Be, would that not be sick? And you know there's a you know there's a way to do it. There's oh, a, well, there's a hundred percent. When when they first built the video board, the some of the football players back oh, when it yeah. first happened, they were actually playing they Madden did. on the video yeah, board. I like, remember they that. absolutely can do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, they can do it. Well, and I just wanted to ask because it is such a big weekend, and there are going to be so many big names on campus, and you're trying to make an impression. Like I talked about, a lot of guys that are already committed to another school you've got to do some things to really impress them and you have to find ways to sell sell your staff sell yourself as a coach and sell Auburn yeah the advantage or the kind of I guess you call it luck that Auburn has is just in the sense that 24s haven't gone on a ton of visits yet Mm -hmm. and 25s and 26s definitely haven't gone on a lot of visits yet Um, so they're kind of going to be this is going to be new to them in a sense, they're going to be blown away a little bit. They're going to see the new football facility, especially the 25s. Right. And they're going to think, you know, this is the best thing. This is the best facility in the country. And it's definitely up there. It's definitely one of the best ones in the country. But everything's going to be so new to them. You know, there's going to be kind of that wow and that shock factor um, that they'll kind of instantly be able to blow them away with some of that stuff because these are younger guys that just haven't gone on as many visits. Yeah. I'll tell you what, when you drive on that side of town, if you drive anywhere near that football facility, you see it yeah. like it that thing <laughs> they've got the lights blaring and they are just you cannot miss that thing if you drive over no. there on that side of town so no i think um i mean you spend it they spend enough money on it they better show it off this weekend when they've got all these guys on campus let's get to the phone lines 334-321-1390 terry you're on the line man welcome in hey good afternoon guys how are y'all today doing fantastic terry what you got fantastic got a question for christian um Last week, uh, they were they were Brian Matthews was sitting in the studio and he made a comment about Grayson McCall. I believe that's the name. I believe I got the name from Coastal Carolina. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. About his possibility, the, the possibility of him being in Auburn is still not gone away. Do you agree with that? Is he scheduled to graduate and be a graduate transfer? It, you know, it's certainly possible. The biggest issue there was with academics, and he needed to graduate. And because Auburn mm-hmm. didn't pick up a quarterback to be able to go through spring practice, you know, if Grayson McCall gets his ducks in a row there and is able to graduate that is definitely certainly possible and I've heard that rumbling a little bit you know we still expect Auburn to get a quarterback after the spring so if Grayson McCall is all of a sudden academically eligible um, and he's able to do that um, it's certainly you know it's not zero percent he would have to re-enter the transfer portal but he wanted to come to Auburn Um, if the academic issue didn't pop up he would be at Auburn right now Um, and so if that's able to be solved by the time they're looking for a quarterback there after spring practice in that May window from May 1st through the 15th, he could definitely but be if, here. If he graduated, would he have to enter the portal or could it be a graduate transfer? Uh, yeah, at that point, he'd just be a graduate transfer. Yeah. That's why when you said enter the portal, I was thinking, okay, if he graduated on early May or early to mid-May, he could just be a graduate transfer. What are the other options as far as that goes down? I know quarterback's a glory position. I think Auburn's done really well linebacker. I'm very pleased there. I'd like still like to see a rush end, a defensive end, um, but hey, you know they're going to run a three. The Warriors are going to run a three three five, and certainly got enough defensive backs to run a three three five. So, um, how's that, how's a defensive end's role going to be in that? And who who's still out there? Anybody? Yeah, you never know who's going to jump in the portal. Yeah, that you know that's a good question. I think in terms of you know guys that could come in and play in spring practice, Auburn's done there. Um, there's not mm-hmm. a whole lot left in the portal. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a frenzy that May first through the fifteenth when that portal window opens. Um, Terry, you hit the nail on the head. Pass rushers there on the outside. I think Auburn's still gonna go out and get one, if not two or three guys there. Um, and I think Auburn oh, knows wow. that. So I think Auburn is, you know, cognizant of that. The biggest thing 
um, you know, with sprint is, you know, guys get an idea of where they sit on the depth chart. Um, and there's certainly rumblings just around college football and, you know, even former high school coaches and stuff like that. Guys are saying, you know, I might, I might be second on the depth chart here, but I heard Auburn needs an edge rusher. Um, and I could go and start over there, I think. So Auburn will pick up some guys there. I think Auburn will still bring in an offensive lineman or two. I think Auburn will look for a receiver, a quarterback, maybe even another linebacker as well. So that second portal window is still going to bring in some guys for Auburn. Say Grayson McCall was able to graduate and grad transfer to Auburn. How much would that, in your estimation, help Auburn land another offensive lineman, land other players? How much would he attract other talent in the portal in May? I think it'd be pretty big, certainly a wide receiver. Oh, 100%. You, you might be able to go out and get a true number one kind of guy mm. in that May portal if if you go get a lightning rod electric quarterback that would attract that kind of talent. What would you think about all that, Terry? Uh, see, guys, I, I think Auburn's receiving course being sold a little bit short, quite honestly. I think they're better than people I think. I think there's talent, but, but, I mean, Terry, we, we haven't seen it. I mean, I the, agree. the I agree. best player that we've seen in terms of production is Javaris Johnson, which, mm. with all due respect to him, I think that because of his size, he's somewhat limited in what his ceiling can be. I mean, I think we know Camden Brown has a really, really high ceiling just because he has all the physical tools you could possibly want. We know Nick Martiner's in the room, and he brings something different at 6'6", but there's not a ton of production that we've seen on the field at Auburn. And you have to, you have, you have, you have certainly have something to consider. But I think with the improvements of the offensive line, this receiving curve can be one of the better ones ever. Oh, I mean, that, that's the real problem. Yeah, there's Quite talent. A quarterback no doubt. A pass yet laying on his back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, having a quarterback that can actually throw and have time to throw will definitely make the receiving core a lot better. Sure. Well, I hope the Grayson Cup things works out. I'd like to see that, but. One last thing here for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, why does the T.J. Finley stuff keep coming up? I just I can't see this guy being around after the spring. I'm a little surprised he's there now. For all that he said on social media and stuff about Auburn and, and things his father said and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, uh, he, he's had he's proven himself at two schools. He was just you know he was just better than everybody in high school because he was bigger than everybody. Yeah, let him go down to Northeast Louisiana or Southeast Louisiana, whatever it is. <laughs> And the stud can be. <laughs> Look, me and Carter have given our thoughts on this. I'm going to let Christian roll on this for a second. Yeah, I just think the biggest thing is, um, you know, maybe it's an opportunity for him to do something under Hugh Freeze or something like that. I believe the plan is though he will graduate after the spring. Then he can be eligible immediately as a graduate transfer. Um, he would be able to depart. You know, he's he's still able to go through spring. He's able to stay kind of fresh in a sense where he's able to keep throwing, keep working out. Um, and then able to potentially move on after the spring. Not a guarantee, but I think we all think that's pretty likely. Well, I think the defensive backs will be happy if he's throwing, because that's who he's going to throw it to. <laughs> oh, Take Terry. Care, we appreciate the call. That's Terry joining us here on On the Line. We've got another caller, though, 334-321-1390. It is Shane joining us on line two. Shane, welcome in. Hey, guys. How are y'all? Doing well, man. What you got? I, I was going to say, I was going to piggyback on on uh, Terry, mm-hmm. you know, about our receiving core. I was talking about, we were talking about this the other day. You know, we haven't really seen what our what our receivers have done because right. of quarterback play, lack of offensive line. They can't get out into the routes. They can't, you know, so th- I want to I want to wait until this year to see, you know, if some of those guys that, have, you know, haven't been in a position to get open and whatnot versus uh, versus the ones that, that – that will be this this season because of a uh, of the protection and maybe a couple you know two extra seconds could be you know ginormous. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I Look, I think everybody agrees that there's a ton of talent in that wide receiver room. I think Camden Brown is really good. I think Amari Kelly's really good. I think Jay Fair's really good. All those guys were freshmen last year. Obviously, you really like uh, what you've gotten out of VAR. Um, there's been a ton of hype out of Chick Dawson over the past couple of years. We'll see if he can produce. Um, Nick Mardner, you like what he brings, that experience with uh, Marcus Davis there from his time at Hawaii. So there's – look, I, I agree with That's you. That's what I'm excited about, yeah. the, the 900 yards working with Marcus Davis. It obviously didn't translate to, to Cincinnati, but now he's back with Marcus Davis. I'm curious to see what type of production you can get out of him. Yeah, look, I think you have a really – you have an interesting wide receiver room where you've mm-hmm. got you've got a lot of tools there, and let's not count out like guys like Rivaldo Fairweather and Landon King, yeah, um, and some of those other tight ends there as well that Hugh Freeze will definitely use. I mean, so kind, I think, kind of those hybrid tight end receiver kind of guys that Auburn now has a couple of. Yeah, so Shane, I definitely agree with you. I think the wide receiver room's really good. I think you'd maybe feel a little more comfortable if you brought in you know one more veteran guy out of the portal who has a little bit more experience. Right. Um, but I agree with you. I think there's talent there, and I think they'll kind of finally have a chance to be able to showcase that this year. I, I totally, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what I believe. And um, so on those lines, is there any, in, you know, targets or are we just kind of waiting for spring to see if uh, what the new crop of, you know, incoming uh, transfer guys will, will bring? Yeah, it'll just be all after the spring. Um, there's no one in the portal right now that I know of that Auburn is after. Um, and so then after the spring, it'll just be that chaotic 15-day window of, Guys entering yeah. in the portal and Auburn seeing kind of who they like. Uh, last, last, last question. It, the the um, the actual signing period, you know, whatever signing day is like next week, I think, right? Um, February first. Yeah. Any, um, you know, surprise? Or do we, are we are we expecting any, any additions, or is this? Are we pretty much we know what our what our group's going to look like? Yeah, I think it's pretty well wrapped up. Jeremiah Cobb will, you know, officially sign. Um, I think it's next Wednesday, whatever it is. It's February first. Yeah, um, it's Wednesday. So Jer- Jeremiah Cobb will make it official. Um, Auburn has been involved with, you know, the Theodore cornerback Will James. I think he's more of a preferred walk-on guy, um, but Auburn could maybe offer him. So we'll see. I just don't know if Auburn is willing to use another scholarship there at DB. Um, but all right, guys. War Eagle. Yep, appreciate, appreciate the call, it, Shane. That was a good question there at the end. You want to wrap? You can wrap that up. Yeah, I mean that's just that's it. It'll be Jeremiah Cobb yeah. and maybe one other guy and Will James, but that's really about it. Maybe bring in some preferred walk-ons mm-hmm. like Christian Burnett. Uh, you know, there will be some preferred walk-ons that sign and stuff like that. Yeah. But well, I know you are. I know you're really looking forward to those 15 days in May where it's just a, a cluster, right? I know you're just so excited for that. I counting down the days <laughs> i feel well, like i feel like that somehow was going to be more chaotic and hectic than even the 45 day period which felt crazy because it's so condensed is that true christian yeah it i'm i'm not looking forward to it whatsoever because <laughs> it's look the portal is just the wild wild west now there's it's so crazy it's you know kids are coming on campus for one day official visits and then they're flying straight one. to their next school for a visit you know it's just and they're doing it on like an hour notice, like Avery Jones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, it's chaotic. But <laughs> it, that was an exasperated <laughs> sigh right there. We have made Christian very upset talking about May. Well, look, I before we get to break, uh, when I was in look when I was in college, this will just give you an idea of what the transfer portal is like. When I was in college, I did a piece on when I was doing journalism, whatever. I had the chance to sit down. I have a couple of times with Auburn's volleyball coach Brent Crouch, and I asked him about the transfer portal, and he said that college volleyball is insane. He said if a player in college volleyball 
enters the portal, if you do not reach out to them within the first couple of hours, you have no chance of getting them. Yes. That's in volleyball. Yeah. I mean, usually a, a lot of the guys, if you don't know they're going in the portal, and when you first see that they're in the portal, you're already late. behind. Yeah. Yes. Well, Isn't I mean, that crazy? You look at the buzz around certain quarterbacks that didn't even enter the portal, whether it be Michael Pratt at Tulane mm-hmm. or or Drake May at UNC. There were guys that you heard rumblings about, and you heard rumblings about where they might want to go, and then it just never happened. Look and at so, Sam like, Hartman, though. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Like he hits the portal, and I saw some Auburn fans get really excited for like three minutes, and then it's like, hey, it's Notre Dame. It's already done. It's it's wrapped. Which which also makes the Spencer Sanders saga a little more interesting because he was he was out there in the wind for like forty three days. He was out there forever. I I don't know what Ole Miss is necessarily doing. Look, they have a That's really confusing. good quarterback, is it room, not? But it's confusing. But it's hey, so weird. They lost twenty four players, but thank God they have three quarterbacks now to fight it out because they because everybody knows. Uh, you have multiple quarterbacks on the field at once. Yeah. Well, the quarterback <laughs> will be the saving grace for Lane Kiffin and Oxford, right? I mean, that, what, oh, gosh. I'm bringing up multiple quarterbacks on the field at once is giving me flashbacks to certain por- oh, portions no. of the Gus Malzahn era. No, we're not getting into that. we got to get to our <laughs> final break. We'll come back, wrap up Auburn football recruiting talk. Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 joining us in the studio. We'll wrap it up here on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, joined by Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 for the next couple of minutes. So uh, during the break, Terry called back and he wanted to bring up something I feel like might be interesting. Mm -hmm. Talking about Ole Miss with the logjam they have at the quarterback position, uh, does it doesn't it feel like they're squeezing Jackson Dart out? And yes, if he hit the portal in May, is that a potential I, guy Auburn would look at? I mean, they might look at him. I don't know if Jackson Dart's all that good though, so I don't know. Well, if, well, I mean, ooh. I mean, in my in my opinion, Auburn has to add somebody in May, oh, yeah, regardless, because yeah. look, I am proceeding like T.J. Finley is not actually on this roster. I, I will do that in until he proves me wrong and sticks around for the fall. I'm going to proceed like he's not even here. He's definitely a guy that I'd imagine they would kick the tires on. But if he did enter the portal, I think it'd be more realistic. He went to like Cal or went you know back somewhere on the West Fair. Coast. Oh, he has oh, more, Dart. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's, you know what's interesting? Statistically, last year you can make a yeah. really strong argument he was better than than Spencer Sanders in a harder conference and a harder division. I I never understood Auburn fans, college football fans. I didn't understand the hype behind Spencer Sanders. He has 47 career interceptions. Yeah. 47. And he has 60 touchdowns. I mean, to an extent, that might be an issue with that offense because Mike Gundy, there are games where Mike Gundy made him throw it like 64 times. times. Like stupid amount of times. Yeah. yeah. Which which is going to happen. Like he threw four picks in his last game because Gundy made him throw 60 plus times. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. I just think there's a little bit of a turnover issue there. Oh, I, I 100% agree. No, I 100% no. agree. But, yeah. but, I mean, Auburn's not one to talk, considering Robbie Ashford's number two in the country in fumbles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we talked about that the other day. Isn't that wild? But, uh, Found that stat by accident. Yeah, that's a bad also, one to find. Hey, do you know Keontae Scott was tied for 43rd as the second highest non-offensive player in fumbles in the country? I love Keontae Scott. I think he does have some electric punt returns. I do not think he should be Auburn's punt returner in 2023. Do you think it should be a guy like Batty? 
Retur- return specialist kind of guy. I don't know if he's ever returned punts though. I think That's he's fair. a kick returner guy. But look, you've he's got. A, I think he's going to be a better player than people are giving him credit. Oh, for. Oh yeah, I think he's really fun. There's something about the number six that's just cursed for Auburn returning yes. punts. Christian Tut was not that guy. Javarius Johnson did not really have great he luck returning okay. punts. Yeah, he was Keontes. okay. He was more of a fair catch kind of guy back there. <laughs> and Keontae yeah. Scott was not. He had some issues returning punts. He had some really electric punt returns, but he also had his issues. You as know, well. it's wild. Like. Christian Tutt would have some really good punt return. He was very similar to to Keontae Scott in terms of like he could have some awesome returns, but boy did it feel dangerous. It's uh, but he was never easy. He's just, also yeah. the slowest DB I've ever seen. It's just like any time it's it was Christian Tutt or any time it was Keontae Scott going back there is just like oh boy like hold your breath yeah like, it's just like this is not a guaranteed free play yeah like to be fair one of those fumbles that he had this past year just he just did not touch the ball oh the yeah that's ball. yeah. Yeah, that one that one's that's going to bother me till the day I die. Yeah, that that one was really bad. And of course, we talked about it. Would it have changed the outcome? Probably not. But it would have changed how the game went down, I think. But Christian, we've got you in studio for the next couple of minutes. This is a huge weekend. Obviously, we've talked about it the whole hour. Just the amount of guys that are going to be here, the guys that are going to be here, the names, the stars, everything like that. Uh, I know Carter has one more thing, but best case scenario coming out of this weekend if we're if we were to talk to you early next week what what would you like to be telling us i think best case scenario would be auburn picks up like two or three commitments on saturday Mm -hmm. and you know is you know is feeling great the thing with it now is you know kids want to get graphics they want to have their kind of their moment which is perfectly fine they want to have that so it might be a little bit of auburn picks up some commitments and over the next couple of weeks you see those come to fruition you know keeping like big cat weekend where you know ashley williams committed a few days later um jc hart committed like the next week or something like that so i think it's certain like don't freak out if auburn leaves the weekend without any commitments because i think auburn will make a lot of groundwork they'll make up a lot of make up a lot of work this weekend um and i think I think it's certainly realistic that Auburn picks up one commitment this weekend with maybe a couple more on the way after that. Um, and so we'll we'll just kind of have to wait and see. But I think Auburn will at least make up some positive ground this weekend. Looking forward to 2023 and less so uh, 2024, in your estimation, how with what this staff did in the short period of time that they've been on, on campus in recruiting and in the transfer portal, how much do you think that this staff raised the floor and raise the ceiling for 2023 and beyond definitely raised the floor a lot when you looked at the team um there were some i mean you couldn't field a team at certain positions <laughs> offensive line offensive you had line six. was a big issue defensive line was a big issue um so they raised the floor a lot in terms of raising the ceiling that one i i i think they raised the ceiling maybe by a game maybe a game and a half or two i don't know if they raised the ceiling a ton I think the ceiling can be raised a ton if you bring in another quarterback. But that's, you know, I think Robbie Ashford, I think he could be really good behind an actual offensive line um, and, you know, a system that fits him. It, there's Agreed. Just, it's, for me, it's so hard to tell what the ceiling on this team is right now because there's so many new pieces. There's a new offense. Yeah. There's like 40 new players. There's, there's so much new that I just don't know what the ceiling is, but I do know what the floor is, and it was really bad, and now it's in – is your floor right spot. now like a seven and five season in twenty three? Uh, with say, with it, with it, what the easiest schedule we've seen at Auburn in what feels like twenty years? Yeah, 
I'd say like six and six or seven and five. Yeah, wow, somewhere that, there. That floor's a little bit lower than I thought. I would have said seven and five is, is I, the floor. I, I think before, though, they had like a three or a four win floor. <laughs> yeah, so. which fair. is very, very fair. There's, I mean, for me, there's just so many new pieces. Like you could catch lightning in a bottle. You could have LSU like last year. Mm-hmm. You could have some of these other teams that get a lot of portal guys. All the chemistry meshes together. Auburn keeps that energy from Cadillac Williams, which they have so far, um, at least talking to current players. And, you know, everybody's fired up and the season goes really well. Or, you know, it's perfectly realistic to think that there could be some uh, just some issues adjusting to a new offense, new players, whole new offensive line working together. You know, there's a lot of moving parts. Right. But certainly, yeah, no you, doubt. You just have to feel good about you know, what they've done so yeah. far. Yeah. Christian Clemente of Auburn 247. We're about to get out of this hour. Want to let you plug everything you've got going on, what's coming up, all your coverage coming up this weekend. It's a huge one on Auburn 247. Yeah. So Auburn247.com, AuburnUndercover.com gets you there as well. We've had a running thread of visitors. We'll have live updates. We'll have a podcast tomorrow as well. So we'll have full coverage this weekend, exit interviews, all that kind of stuff. Excellent. Man, you're awesome. We appreciate you and your time. Christian Clemente, Auburn 247 recruiting guru, joining us here for the entire first hour talking all things Auburn football recruiting. Hour number two, we'll talk some Auburn basketball. What's coming up? ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. It's a beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hour number two of the Thursday edition of On the Line is underway. Jacob, go with Carter Bird with you right here on the Auburn Opelika sports leader. What? Here's the start of... The fun conversation. Oh yes, of the day. yeah. Well, we had a great first hour, and now we have to get into the other orders of business. But if you missed any of the first hour, we just had Christian Clemente of Auburn two four seven, a surprise visitor, uh, scheduled that late last night. So excited that we were able to get him in here and uh, and talk about Auburn football recruiting. What? This is just it's weird. It's something random. Before we get into this. So, you know, the, the Panthers have hired Frank Wright. Oh, to be head coach. yeah. I've, uh, the backlash is already flying. He's a great coach. No, 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 no. There should not be a backlash. He's a really good coach, and he's going to do well in Carolina. But the Colts just quote tweeted the Panthers tweet about uh, hiring him and said, congratulations to this good man. And it's like, hang on now. Hold up. Jim Irsay, like, ran this dude off. <laughs> See, here's my thing. We're about to get into a side tangent for a second. Here's my thing. Professional sports confuses me so much in this regard the NFL does it the NBA does it the NHL does it MLB does it not as much I do not and will never understand when a coach gets fired from one team organization so many other teams and organizations jump on him so fast and hire him I'm like the guy just got fired the Colts issue was not a Frank Reich issue it was a 
you had a, a, a GM and Chris Ballard that tried to be kind of innovative in how he built the roster, mm-hmm. and they were too good to draft a quarterback and not good enough at the quarterback position to be anything, and then eventually it just collapsed in on itself. Well, that's and, fair. And, you got, I mean, they've had five different starting quarterbacks in five straight years. Andrew Luck retiring, I think, set everything oh, way yeah. back for yeah. the Colts. I think Frank Reich's a really good coach, and you also had an owner in Jim Irsay who meddles Worse than any other owner, maybe in in the NFL. Fair, and that and that may be one of the the non situations. Jeff Saturday as an interim head coach. Yeah, and he's they keep saying Jeff Saturday's still in the hunt for the Colts job. Oh, that's a disaster. But my point is, outside of that situation, it happens every year. A coach gets fired for losing at his current job. He gets fired. And then other teams jump on him and hire him and say, you know what? You it's may have lost at your other place, but you're going to win here. No. It's circumstances, I'm telling you. Like, it, it just doesn't Cliff make Kingsbury, sense to me. No, he's never going to get a head coaching job ever again in the NFL. But, I mean, Frank Reich did some really good things with the Colts until the system that they had to build that roster failed and you had an owner that wouldn't let him control his own team as the head coach. And maybe that one works out, but I'm just I'm just telling you, over the years, watching professional sports and keeping up with it, I've just never understood that that narrative that goes along in professional sports. A coach gets fired for losing, for not being I'm a good coach, you. and another team just jumps on him and thinks it's going to work, and most of the time it doesn't. It does sometimes, don't get me wrong, but more times than not, when you hire a guy that just got fired for losing, he's probably not going to win because Frank he does Reich the same is stuff. is going to do well in Carolina. He very well you might. You heard it here first. He very well might. Well, now that we're done with that, if you missed any of the first hour of our show today, uh, we had Christian Clemente of Auburn 247. The, uh, he is big, big, big on recruiting. That's what he does for them. He covers it uh, night and day. Uh, he is fantastic. He sat in with us the entire first hour previewing what is a massive weekend for Auburn football recruiting uh, over on or here on the plains over at the football complex. So he told us everything we needed to know if you missed any of that be sure to go and find the podcast you can find it espnau.com you'll find it commercial free in our podcast center uh, right after the show or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast talked about who all is going to be here close to 70 players are going to be on mm-hmm. campus this weekend talked about the guys to look out for possible commit watch a couple of guys that possibly could commit to auburn this weekend and really just talking about the success and the future of what auburn can be uh, on the recruiting trail so it was a great first hour again if you missed it go and catch up with the podcast but here in hour number two we also had some great calls in the first hour but here in hour number two uh phone lines are open 334-321-1390 we'll talk to chris gordy host of the locked on sec podcast uh, he is our usual thursday guest so we'll talk to him coming up at about 3 30 or so uh but phone lines are open 334-321-1390 and now we have to get into and i say have to get into it because <laughs> We were hoping to have a good result to talk about today. We were hoping to have a good game to talk about today, a good win for Auburn to talk about today. That is not the case. Auburn loses at home last night. They had the the country's longest home winning streak for a week, and that was it. And they decided, yep, we didn't want that anymore. They lose to Texas A&M last night in a game that started on a 10-2 run, and A&M, a and A&M came back. It never looked back. Yeah, I mean, Auburn starts the game on the the 10-2 run. The crowd was great. Awesome. The crowd was ready to explode. It was loud. uh, And then Auburn just, 
I mean, look, credit to AM, they shot outside of their mind in the first half. Yes, they did. And that's the thing. And we're going to get into all of this. But yes, AM shot lights out in the first half. That team shot over double in the first half percentage-wise what they normally do from the three-point line. And we talked about it yesterday, and we've talked about it over the last week or so, how Auburn's three-point defense is top five in the entire country, but yet A&M, they lit it up from the three-point line. And a credit to them, after the 10-2 run, they the crowd, like you said, Carter, we challenged the crowd yesterday. And I know all 9,000 fans that were there were listening to our show yesterday when we told them to be loud and be proud. And they were, right? They were there. They were loud. After the 10-2 run, A&M calls a timeout two and a half minutes into the game. You're thinking, okay, this is what we've been oh, waiting yeah. for. A&M just said, no, nah, we're not going to deal with that. They came back. They made it. They came back and took the lead like that. And never looked back, man. It yeah. was unbelievable. We'll Absolutely. get we'll get into it some more, break it all down here in hour number two. But we're gonna get back to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line. Welcome in. Uh, uh yeah. Uh, one thing I, I'm just gonna say, uh, you know, this is just me and this is just me. Mm-hmm. But if Auburn was gonna lose a game at home and out, I'm not saying they won't lose another one before, but I would much rather it have been to A and M than you know on the eleventh when we play. I, I wouldn't want that streak to be alive when Alabama comes because I would not want. UAT to break that streak. Which is fair. And Ed, it's actually funny. When I was walking out of the arena last night, I actually heard fans talking about that, having a group of guys having that exact conversation. They were like, well, this is better than than Alabama doing it. So, no, I think a lot of Auburn fans are probably in that same boat. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I I think Auburn's going to be all right. You know, I'm going to tell you what. I mean, I. If I'm if if nothing else, I'll tell you what I really think about in, in Alabama's team. It's not just you know uh, Miller; they've got a really good team, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. But one thing about the when you get to the tournament, you know, it's not just you got to have a little luck, you know, and no doubt you got to have some things have to bounce your way and everything. But uh, I. As far as I was going to call, and uh, I've got a, I'm just going to call him a good friend of mine from from Elba, mm-hmm. uh, Alabama, that uh, played under uh, he, my, my somebody I know real close knows him real good, and he was a uh, a big star for Alabama, uh, and and, uh, and the, the kid that's coming out in 2025, you know, he he's been kind of hyping him a little bit and the running back that's considering Auburn now. And he said that he really, really likes Auburn. Mm -hmm. So that, that would be, and, and I know y'all seen, uh, I can't remember. I think it's from down around Mobile area, the 14 year old six, four, two fifteen linebacker, you know, is what they're playing him at now. Kid, have y'all, have y'all, been reading about uh, these kids just keep getting bigger and faster and stronger don't well i mean ed if you go look at alabama's 23 (laughs) class they have a linebacker from texas that looks like the largest strongest linebacker i've ever seen he looks like he is 35 (laughs) he's so big yeah well you know and this this guy from uh like i said he's he's 14 years old yeah 4 2 15 yeah yeah 
I, I think Auburn offered him about a week or so ago, and then Georgia come right on their heels and offered him. Mm-hmm. Anthony did, Anthony I, Tank Jones is his name. Yeah, and that right, you know, if he's this size, I don't think he may be a linebacker when he, you know, graduates. But he seems more like a maybe an edge man or something. But uh, it's just exciting to watch it, and it's what what it's fun now for the first time and since Gus Malzahn got to Auburn. Well, it's been a long time since. I really think that Auburn is going after and has a chance to get some of these really good kids. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to do it early. You've got to be sincere. You've got to do it right. And, you know, I, I think Auburn is trying to do that. And, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. But, but I, I really, you know, I'm, I'm happy with what this staff has done so far. And I, 100%. You know, all right, War Eagle guys. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate the call, Ed. Ed. It's always good to hear from you. That is Ed joining us on the phone lines. We'd love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. By the way, this is crazy. I don't think I realized this. Uh, looking for Anthony Jones's recruiting profile page, which I don't think he's, uh, has he's, been ranked yet. He's too young to be yeah. ranked. Yeah. 25 class in the state of Alabama? There are already five five-stars in the state of Alabama. Jeez. Well, we talked the other day how 25 could be one of those classes. Yeah. Two edges, a safety, and two receivers. How about that? Interesting. Look, man, state of Alabama has really stepped up with talent and just has grown with talent and the amount of talent in the state. And, yeah, looking at this kid right now, I'd heard the name. I didn't know I didn't know he was 14, and I didn't know that he was, like Ed mentioned, 6'4", 215 pounds, at the age of 14 that's what yeah <laughs> like what are you feeding that kid what's in the water down there as they used to say right oh yeah absolutely unbelievable I mean, there's there's some really big really stout kids i mean in the 25 class spain parks got the uh number four player in the country who's 6'6 230 mm-hmm. already yeah well like ed said i mean he, he said he was pleased with what auburn and, and this staff are doing so far and he's exactly right you got to get out early you've got to be genuine i think that was an important note that ed said as well is you got to want to do it you got to know how to do it and you got to care that you're doing it and i think hugh freeze and this staff are absolutely in that boat i think they're doing everything that they can uh to make auburn uh get back to to what it can be and like ed said and the best it's been in a long long time ed we appreciate the call we appreciate uh hearing from you his point about auburn basketball again it's funny because i heard that same conversation walking out of the arena last night not that auburn wanted to lose but if you were going to lose your home winning streak the longest one in the country to anybody you'd rather it not be alabama so here you go. A&M puts an end to it, though. They did, and uh, we'll, we'll start getting into it a little bit. A&M wins 79-63, to and we talked about the 10-2 to run that Auburn started with. The crowd was going nuts. That, that 43 place was, 20 the rest of the half after yeah. that point. Yep. 43-20. to Yeah. A&M scored 45 points in the first half. I have not done the research on that yet. I believe that's the most points Auburn's given up in a first half all year long. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think it, it has to be. But uh, something that during halftime, I heard some Auburn fans talking about, well, if we just start hitting some shots, like we'll be fine. I mean, Auburn shot 47.8% from the floor in the first half. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Uh, I mean, they didn't shoot great from three. They went three of 11. But, I mean, it's more to the fact that you let A&M shoot 58.6% from the field, 
54.5% from three and 83.3% at the line in the first half. Well, the conversation we had a while back, I don't remember what day or what show it was, but we talked about how this Auburn team, look, they're great defensively, but on those nights, and I think I may have said this, those nights that Auburn's defense gets beat, this team's going to lose because they can't score with anybody. They, they just can't. Auburn cannot score with anybody. And when the defense gives up 45 points and a half, they cannot overcome it. You, you, me, and Jack were texting at halftime last night, and I said, I don't have the confidence in this Auburn team offensively to come back and win this game. Defensively, they stepped up in the second half and did their job, but this team cannot come out of a hole with scoring. They I just mean, can't they, do it. They have the ability to come out of a hole because of the defense. We've seen them hold teams to around 20 points and a half. We've seen them score as many as 40 and a half. Uh, but last night, I'll tell you what. I mean, I was severely disappointed. I thought some of the possessions by the guards were as bad as we've seen all year. Uh, Alan Flanagan looked off, and he looked like he was taking some bad shots. Uh, he didn't. He wasn't listed with any turnovers, but there were a few times where you thought he could have gotten called for a charge or two. Well, there, he didn't have any turnovers, but I there are at least three shots in my mind that I'm thinking about when I was watching the he game. He airballed a mid range, like wide yeah. open. It there were three shots awful. that he took that were basically turnovers. They were horrible um, contested shots that he missed, and A and M took the rebound and went the other way. In those moments, I call those turnovers. You know what I am baffled by with this game. You had all offseason to sit with a bad taste in your mouth yep. from the last two games to end last year where AM threw a lengthy trap at Wendell Green and it torched Auburn in the SEC tournament. And Auburn did not have an answer for it this year. How does that happen? Buzz Williams, for the last 80 minutes of basketball, has coached circles around Bruce Pearl and his staff. Just coach circles around them, and yeah. to me, like we've seen, we know this Bruce Pearl staff can can put a good scout and a good plan together. We've seen it. That's how Auburn beat Kentucky in the Elite Eight years back. But that t- last night, I didn't. I wouldn't even like be going to the game and watching it. If I was a fan, I wouldn't even be sad. I would just be mad. I was like, what? What? What was that? It, it all comes back to... Auburn didn't have mental toughness in that game. Yeah, no, you're right. You're 100% right. And there were guys that showed that last night. There were uh, possessions and situations where they they were... Yeah, you're right. They did not have what they needed to, to, to get them through some of those tougher times. And look, it all comes down to this. Bruce Pearl's a great coach. And and I and I don't want people to to be listening to us and think that we'll talk about Bruce as being the best coach of college basketball when they're winning and that he's not all that when they're losing and we're flippy floppy because I I truly don't feel like we are. We're just kind of calling it like it is. That's what we say and we're going to tell you like it is. Look, Bruce is a great coach. Bruce Pearl is a top 10 college basketball coach most times. But when it comes to Xs and Os, Bruce Pearl's not that guy. He gets guys he to play hard. Moments. I mean, his inbound, he's about as good as anybody in the country at inbound plays. And some, there's some X's and O's that he's great at. When it comes to half court, I, I don't know what he does. I, I really don't know because we saw the same tendencies last night offensively of guards just dribbling, everybody watching, and then taking a dumb shot at the end of the shot clock. And like you mentioned, for the second straight game against Texas A&M, Buzz Williams 
Buzz Williams at Texas A&M outcoached Bruce Pearl at Auburn. And that's just that's just a fact. There's no denying it. We'll talk some more about Auburn basketball losing to Texas A&M last night. We also have a phone call. We'll get to that on the other side. This is the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Dan from Auburn, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. You guys doing all right? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Now I am. I had the privilege of going to the game last night. Mm -hmm. It was definitely not what I was expecting or hoping. But um, I'll just make some observations that I had. You know, watching that first half, they were on fire, and their MO coming into the game was that they weren't very good from at shooting threes. Right. And they were making that num- number four. They made like two NBA deep shots. Mm. And, and, and they, they were making, you know, step backs and just, I mean, they were on fire. And I, I, it's been a while since I've seen a team come in and just be that that efficient. And, and, and then when we would get out on them, then they would drive right on by us. And it was like, dang, it's like, like I mean, just sitting there, it was just, it was just rough watching the game absolutely I, I thought that when we went to the um when we changed our defense in the second half and went to the zone that helped out for a while but it, I, I thought maybe we could have done that in the first half just to try to mix it up a little bit and kind of you know I, I think they they realized that whenever they they were trapping our point guard it was going to give us trouble and sometimes we some good things happened but more times than not it didn't and I agree with you we would we would spend too much time passing around it we didn't we ended up shooting a terrible shot at the end. We probably shot more bad shots in that game Agreed. than I've seen all year. Yeah. Um, but we also, I think, had opportunities, and and there was a few passes that bounced off our guys' legs out of bounds. One to, uh, um, you know, our center. Yeah. And 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 then we had open looks, some open shots that we just that we could have easily made and we didn't. So, look, I think Texas A&M is a good team. I think that they just haven't shot great from outside yet. But they have a good team. I, 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 I mean, I penciled this as, a, as, as you know, in my mind, I thought this was going to be one of the toughest games. I mean, they that they were they were hanging with Kentucky the whole way at Kentucky, and, mm-hmm. and could have easily won that game, and they you know they lost in. So I, I just think that it is a good team, and we didn't handle it very well. Um, I, I think we can be better than we did. Obviously, there's a, there's a whole long way for us to go. Um, I, one other thing that I thought we messed up on is, uh, and maybe it was on their defense. But Jalen Williams didn't really get to shoot the ball very much mm-hmm. yeah. until the very end of the game. He, I think he was two for three, and it was like five, like like maybe six or seven minutes left in the whole game. And I was like, man, our best scorer is totally not even getting the ball in his hands at all. Yeah, non-existent. It, yeah, you know. And I'm like, it's like, you know, usually the way they were defending, you know, it was so hard on the outside and double teaming so much. You know, you throw it down, and, and I think the guys just have to catch the ball and attack the rim immediately. If you wait, then they come and double-team that guy, and then, you know, we don't pass very good out of it. So, you know, I think we made some okay adjustments, and we did a little better in the second half. But, you know, I, I think we had for, for us to be the team like that that's that hot, we were going to have to be super hot, and we obviously we weren't. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we're no, not necessarily no. – 
Yeah, I mean, some great some great team. some great observations, Dan, and and I agree with with everything you're saying. I mean, you from uh, you made three or four different points, and I I agree with all of them. And there were times where uh, Pat, like you said, some passes going off a of guy's hands, not being ready for the basketball, um, just not making the right play, not being ready for like you said for double teams, especially like Carter said with Wendell Green, who they knew they were going to double team, and he can't. Sometimes he finds his way out of it, but it's a process, and it's very very difficult to do um A&M was ready to play man they were ready to play they came they showed up they did what you have to do on the road they took a punch in the mouth in the first two minutes and then they did exactly what you're supposed to do on the road they looked shoot like lights a better out. coach team last night and they were nine of 26 in the second half when Auburn did start changing up the defense one of eight from three drastically different but I was I agree with you Dan I was frustrated that they didn't get the ball to Jalen Williams and give him more opportunities there are some moments there where uh, once Auburn beat that like press, that trap that they've been trying to throw at Auburn, once they beat that a couple times, you saw them drop back into like a 3-2 zone. And that's where we've seen Jalen Williams be kind of lethal, popping in the middle of the paint and get hitting that little floater. High they post. Kept, but they, they were running Allen through there, which I didn't love. Uh, but I thought the guards, it was a brutal game for them. I thought there were several possessions that uh, Wendell Green could have been a heck of a lot better. You, you cut the lead to eight in the second half, and That's they make a dumb pass got. out of bounds for a turnover. And the building is ready to explode if you just get a bucket. And you kind of have an out-of-control layup where you don't get a great look at a window green. Um, Katie Johnson right now, it's tough to watch him play basketball on the offensive end. Because like I, I, the situational awareness is not there. He turns the ball over. He takes bad shots. He misses too many shots. Uh, his passing is really bad. There was one moment where he made a bad pass for a turnover the other way. Three Auburn players sprint back on defense, uh, and they forced the missed layup. But because Katie Johnson and there's somebody else, I forget who, they are loafing back. They aren't even past half court. AM has a guy sitting right there for the missed layup, and he cleans it up for an easy bucket. Those type of plays are inexcusable and drive me crazy. Drive me insane. I would right now, and I've said this uh, off the air, I'd take five Leor Bermans right now off the bench before I take a single KD Johnson. Leor Berman is giving you quality, quality minutes. Yeah. And the only thing, he's not as good of a defender, but he definitely has like great awareness on the court. He, he mm-hmm. can find the rebounds and, and make open shots. And he can sure. shoot. You know? He can shoot, and KD yeah, can't. Just, yeah, I think the problem right now, KD, you know, he'll drive in there, and, and if it's not open, he just tries to force it or make some yeah. crazy pass. and. It, I think a lot of it's decision making, and maybe some of those decision makers just don't need to be handling the ball. Yeah, <laughs> no, hundred percent. Maybe, maybe they need to just find an open area and just shoot, and don't try to create. Because you know, I think it makes it makes our main guys that have to create have to do it over and over again every single time because you can't trust the other guys to 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 do it. The yeah. bench shot the ball eight times in this game, and six of them were by Katie Johnson, and I don't think that. Like you're getting nothing out of the bench right now, and that's that makes it really tough on this Auburn team. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, guys. Well, it'll be better next time. Appreciate it, Dan. <laughs> appreciate it, Dan. Many, I don't see too many don't see too many bad games in the arena. So. Fair. Yeah, yeah, it's been, it, yeah, appreciate it, Dan. Appreciate it it Dan. had been, fun fact, my dad and I were talking about this, because of Auburn's winning streak, it had been 24 months since Auburn had lost inside that building. Yeah. 24 and months, two years. It had been two years last, since Auburn lost in that Last time they've lost in front of a full-capacity crowd was A&M, too. I think A&M, I think A&M has won, if I saw the stat correctly, 
is it four of five oh, I in was, Auburn Arena? Oh, okay. And I think it's like six of their last seven or something like that against Auburn or, or something wild like that. It's a A&M has Auburn's number Cole on basketball Kublik right had now. a really good stat that I'm going to find here. Yeah, I think that's the one that I saw. I think that's the stat that I saw as well. It, and I don't remember what it was, so pull it up for me if you don't mind. But um, They've won six of seven games in Auburn Arena yeah, that's or it. Neville Arena since joining the SEC. And they've now beaten five of their last six AP Top 25 teams. Wow. Wow. Well, Dan was saying he thinks they're a pretty good team. And you know what? Going into it, we I said, I said, I don't think AM's all that good. Because look at who they've played. Their schedule's not all that tough. They lost on the road at Kentucky, who may be finding themselves. This is a signature win for them. This is, is a good win. And they have... Unbelievably frustrating to watch Bruce Pearl continually get outcoached by Buzz Williams. We've seen Bruce Pearl outcoach some really high-level coaches. And it's not just Buzz Williams. Well, it's Buzz Williams, it's Mike White, it's Kermit Davis, those three. Those three outcoach Bruce consistently. Consistently. The problem is there's no... I mean, they're making adjustments, but like last night they made adjustments and you can look at the first half and second half differential. But, they, but the offense was garbage. The offense was bad. Shot selection was horrible. When Every the defense, time Auburn cut it to single digits... A&M hit a big three or an AM one the other way. Remember how we said yesterday Auburn needs to get out to a lead and just hold A&M away like the little kid, the big brother to the little brother, just trying to hold them out to where they yeah. can't get to them. And we said that's what Auburn needs to do. That's what A&M did the entire second half. And when Auburn's defense gets just destroyed like it did, the offense is not good enough to come back. Yeah. We got Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, coming up talking all things Southeastern Conference. You do not want to miss it. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, welcoming in Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joins us every Thursday here on the show. Chris, we appreciate you coming on as always, man. It's a busy, busy time around the Southeastern Conference. Uh, We'll start with the disaster that happened here in Auburn last night in basketball. Uh, As Texas A&M comes on the road, they take down Auburn. Auburn, they end the country's longest home winning streak. What in the world happened to Auburn? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I was watching all the games last night. You know, uh, I think it was uh, Tennessee disposes of, of Georgia and Florida disposes of South Carolina. And the two later games actually were pretty intriguing. You know, Mississippi State had Alabama on the ropes. And then, you know, A&M comes out of the gates and, uh, you know, was up on Auburn. And then Auburn t- starts to make a little run, get it to single digits. And you're like, okay, maybe – but A&M, um, I, I think it's time we start giving A&M a little bit more credit. I was Absolutely. one of the people that saying for weeks. I've been saying for weeks that, you know, I thought it was maybe a little bit of fool's gold with how they started off in the conference, played some weaker opponents. But um, I think A&M's pretty good. Buzz Williams, you know, historically has been a good head coach, and he's recruited well there at A&M. Uh, you know, they got some good four- and five-star talent, and they just haven't really been able to put it together. We saw the, the backstretch of last season. They, you know, made that run through the NIT. Uh, it was really impressive, but um, th- this year it was kind of, uh, you know, they were slow out of the gates. You know, they lost some some non-conference games that I think we kind of looked at as, you know, should have been winnable. And so maybe that's why the perception on A&M out of the gates wasn't 
you know, that, that we weren't all that impressed with them. But, man, since they've gotten SEC play you know, outside of the, the hiccup against Kentucky a week ago, they've been impressive. And, and for Auburn, they just didn't shoot well. I mean, it was just a, not a good game last night offensively or defensively. And, you know, couldn't, couldn't make a three to save their lives. And then, you know, um, you know, it's not like A&M shot the ball great, but Tyrese Radford had some nice, you know, made some big threes for them. And they just got that cushion of a lead. And, you know, uh, Auburn just couldn't really get back you know, could, couldn't claw back enough. So it happens. It's just one of those games where, you know, you, you played a little flat early and, you know, we're playing catch up, but I think Auburn's going to be fine. It's just, uh, it's just one of those games that happens in a long season. Yeah. So that was basically what I was going to ask you. I mean, it's kind of a tale of two halves for Texas A&M because they were, they shot the lights out in the first half and then struggled a little bit more in the second half, but we're able to uh, kind of take the crowd out of it, which I do think at times can be an overuse saying, but they definitely did last night. But I was going to ask you, is this a one-off isolated uh, instance for Auburn, or is this something that Auburn fans should be worried about? Could we see this happen a few more times here down the stretch of SEC play? Yeah, like I said, I I think it was just a one-time thing. Um, You know, they've shown collectively throughout this year you know, they've been one of the stronger teams. You know, I, I think, you know, we've kind of done the cheers of it all season long where I've had Alabama and Tennessee in the upper tier and I've had, you know, Auburn in that in that next tier team. Still very good, still top 20 team. But, um, yeah, I, I think they're going to be fine. I mean, it, the key here is not to let last night carry over. Um, you know, you got to flush it, watch the film, see what went wrong, and, and turn the page quickly. So, but, look, I mean, I've watched Auburn, you know, much of this year and then, that, that last night was not indicative of what this team is. And so I think they'll bounce back. I think they're still in great shape. Um, you know, the, the, the reality of the situation is the SEC is just it's, – it's much worse than we thought it would be this year. I really thought that there were going to be some teams more competitive this year, and it's, it's just very top-heavy. Um, you know, even Arkansas is – and I know Arkansas has been without some of their, some of their good players of injury, but uh, even Arkansas is disappointed this year so far. So um, – you know, I think uh, I think we're going to find out when it's all said and done. Uh, you know, Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology still has the SEC with only five teams in, and the funny thing is, Kentucky's that last team kind of sneaking their way in. But you know, there's a lot of these teams in the middle of the pack. Where what are they going to be? And I don't know. Maybe last night was a big feather in the cap for A and M for them to make a run here and, and prove that they deserve to be in. Well, Chris, I'm glad you started going that direction because that was the sort of the next question I was going to ask you is what is going on around the SEC? Is this a legitimate conference in Power 5 right now? Because we're going to find out on Saturday as the SEC Big 12 Challenges is looming large. Yeah, and I hate to, I hate to put too much faith into one, you know, it's a one day of games, you know what I mean? Like anything could happen. Um, you know, LSU has been really bad this year. Um you know they're they're going through through a transition. Matt McMahon was handed a a tough situation, taking over for Will Wade, and really had to rebuild that entire roster. And they're not they're not good. But can they beat Texas Tech on on a one off? Sure. Um, you know I, I think Kentucky is. I haven't seen the line yet, but I would assume they're probably going to be a, a, probably a favorite over Kansas. Uh, Kansas just losing to Baylor, and, and Kentucky's been on this nice run they've been on. So. Um, I haven't looked at looked at all the lines, but yeah, I, I wouldn't put too much faith into the games this weekend. Outside of, you know, um, in other words, if the SEC loses a lot of these games against the Big Twelve, I don't know that that necessarily means conference dominance or whatever. But it is a, kind of a good measuring stick to kind of see where all these teams are at, and 
Yeah, I'd expect the Big 12 to win some of these games this weekend. Chris, uh, we know that all these teams are trying to uh, make their case to get a spot in the NCAA tournament. We had a caller that uh, wanted me to ask you. There's been some rumblings about all these sports and college sports uh, expanding tournaments to include more teams. How do you see that affecting uh, basketball, other sports? How do you see it affecting the SEC uh, if that were to, to come to pass? I know that at one point there was discussion about what the NCAA tournament moving to 90. Is that what I saw? Yeah, all that talk is stupid. I mean, you know, I, I hate to, I hate to go old school. You know, old man, what are we doing? Does everybody get a participation trophy? But like, it, there's got to be some measure of greatness to get into this tournament. And I mean, it's already, you know, we already let in automatic qualifying bidders. You know, if you win your conference tournament, which I always think is weird because it's like, you know, we've seen some bad teams. I think years ago, like Georgia was bad. But they made a nice run through the, you know, through the SEC tournament. And they punched their ticket. It's like, well, that's a great story for a weekend, but you know, to steal a bit away from somebody else mm-hmm. who had a better collective piece body of work. I just think, I, I think it should be more selective. You know, I, instead of going more, we already did the first four. You know, so we're already we already have expanded really to sixty eight. Um, but I don't know. I think we should be trimming teams rather than adding teams. It's just silly. I mean. It, you got the other stupid tournaments like the NIT and with the CBI and I don't know whatever. I think there's even a fourth one that 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 is even lesser than that. But you know, like I, I just think we have to have some level of superiority here. You got to have had a good season, not not you know. Well, we went 500 in our conference and a 500 record overall, and we played a bunch of nobodies in our non-conference. Okay, you shouldn't be in. So I, I think there needs to be a level of standard there. Well, Chris, I've always said that the automatic bids for the NCAA tournament to keep it focused on basketball is the automatic bid should be for the regular season champion because that's the one that actually says who was the yeah. best team all year long. Yeah, that that to me makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it should be for the team that, that you know, and to me that's always been more of the impressive title anyways. If you ran through the SEC and at the end of the year you had the best record in the conference, yeah, you should get something for that instead of, Hey, we won the SEC tournament. Okay, well, great. It means you won four, you know, three or four games, whatever, and, and you played well for a weekend. Like that to me doesn't prove a whole lot. So I'm with you. Uh, you know, if we're going to play this whole regular season schedule, which let's be honest, a lot of people aren't watching games in November and December. Uh, if we're going to go through the trek of this long season, then we need to reward teams that uh, schedule tough and you know, and have the body of work to show for it for the all, all year long. Chris, with uh, Alabama kind of escaping a little bit in a game where where Mississippi State jumped all over them uh, in their place in in Coleman Coliseum, but Alabama gets the win, improves to eight zero in conference play. Where do you see the pitfall where Alabama finally draws drops their first game in conference play? Uh, I haven't looked at their schedule yet uh, to see who they have down the stretch, but I, I mean, they're good, man. <laughs> I, I, I've watched this team a handful of times this year, and they're just—they're so strong. Um, I don't know if they have—they they don't have many weaknesses. They get good bench scoring. They got—they play great defense. Uh, last night was gutty, you know, coming back after falling behind. Um, I don't know, man. I, I I think this Alabama team is 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 really really strong, and they got a chance to to punch their ticket as a one seed. That seems so crazy because it's like we're so used to the Gonzagas and Dukes and North Carolinas and all the traditional powers typically being a one seed. But 
you know, if anybody from the SEC was going to get a one seed, I thought maybe Tennessee or Kentucky. But Alabama's really proven to to be that team, and Nate Oates has done a fantastic job with them. And um, it, yeah, it's it's hard for me to see them losing you know, two more regular season games. And I think they're going to finish strong and probably put their ticket as a one seed. And um, they're just, I mean, they're, they're fun to watch, man. They, they fill it up and they get after it and they play hard. And uh, it's, uh, they, they, they're a leading prime example for everybody else in the SEC of what they should be striving for this year. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, joining us here on On the Line. Coming up on Saturday, it's the SEC Big 12 Challenge. It's actually changing in a couple of years. It's going to be the SEC ACC Challenge uh, coming up. Uh, I forget the year, but they did. I believe they changed it. But looking at some of the matchups coming up this weekend, Auburn goes on the road to West Virginia. You've got TCU at Mississippi State, Texas at Tennessee, Kansas going to Rupp to take on Kentucky. Which matchups stand out to you in your mind? I mean, Texas-Tennessee is, is, is the sexiest one. I mean, it's the two top-ten teams. Now, Texas, i got to give them a lot of credit. With, with moving on from Chris Beard at, you know, in the middle of the season like they did, uh, they've not really missed a beat. I mean, they've been really good in conference play, and they've gutted out some tough wins. And for them to be sitting here at 17-3 and three is, is a minor miracle, in my opinion, just you know, losing your head coach like that. And, um, you know, the, the interim guy's done well, but Tennessee – uh, they've been just as impressive, if not more impressive, with, with what Rick Barnes has done there. And you know, they flipped up at home a week ago, uh, or I guess it was two weeks ago against Kentucky. But um, I, I think that's a great one. And, and the fact that it's at Tennessee, I think the Vols, you know, if they can get get it done there, that's that's a really impressive resume win for them. Uh, outside of that, I mean, Kentucky playing uh, playing Kansas again. I know Kansas is a is a top ten team, but it still feels like that's a game that Kentucky will probably be favored in and maybe should win because of how much better they've been playing in recent weeks. You know, Arkansas-Baylor I thought would be good, but, man, Arkansas is just really disappointing me this year uh, with the injuries that they've had. And so I think those are all kind of the, the highlighted ones. You know, I think Alabama, you know, you go on the road to Oklahoma, but I don't think they're going to struggle there. You know, Auburn, I, I think they need to wipe the slate clean from last night. I think they should bounce back and not have a problem with West Virginia, although that is a tough place to play, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the road at times. So we'll see how they respond. And then – yeah, TCU is a really good team. I've seen a couple times this year, and uh, going to Mississippi State, I think that would be a monster win if Mississippi State could pull that one off. So, those are just kind of some of the ones that jump out to me. Um, you know, Old Miss has been a debacle. Oklahoma State, I don't know what happened with them. They used to be, you know, one of the great powers of the Big Twelve, and they've just been mediocrity in recent years. So, there's a couple of those mediocre games that maybe could end up being good, but yeah, I think it's all the ones with the ranked teams that are the headliners. Yeah, for Auburn, uh, they're playing a West Virginia team that may not have had the best start in Big 12 play, but is still getting respect in like Kimpom and things like that. They're still ranked 21st in the Kimpom. But switching gears to football very briefly, some news out of Knoxville as Josh Heupel signs a big old extension. Do you think that that was the right move for Tennessee, and do you think that uh, – this will be one of those instances where he proves the contract to be a smart decision, or could we be sitting here talking about it like the way that we're talking about Jimbo Fishers? Well, it's one of those things that you got to reward the guy for what he's done, and that's what's so mm-hmm. silly about you know has he raised expectations there because he's what he what he's done on the field? Yes, the Jimbo Fisher contract didn't make any sense because yes, he won a championship at Florida State, but you know has done nothing at A and M, and so for them <laughs> to keep giving him raises and all that it was just kind of. Yeah, you know, I think he had the what the ten win season in the COVID year, 
yeah, that's fine. But outside of that, he's done nothing else there. Uh, my only reservation with Heupel is, what if this is the ceiling? You know, what if a 10-11 win season, but not winning the SEC East, not playing for an SEC title? You know, what if this is the best he can do there? That maybe you feel a little fu- funny about giving him that much money, making him, you know, one of the top five highest paid coaches in the SEC. But to counter that, the, the playoff is getting ready to expand, so maybe it won't matter. You know, I was talking with some Tennessee fans this week who were saying, you know, look, if we could just go 10-2 and two and you know, maybe we still lose to Georgia every year, we don't win the East, but we get in the playoff and we make some noise and win some games in the playoff and maybe eventually win a championship, then who cares if we win the SEC? And, and I thought it was an interesting point. So, um, yeah, I, I think with the playoff expansion, maybe this thing won't matter, but if we stay in the current format for, say, five more years, I would have some real questions about, you know, can Heupel ever get over that hump and beat Georgia and win the East and get back to Atlanta? Because, man, it's been a long time since, since Phil Fulmer was there, since they've been uh, been to Atlanta representing the SEC East. Yeah, it's crazy how the mentality is changing when you don't have to win your conference to make it into into the postseason. I mean, we're, we're getting to towards the basketball side of things when you're talking about not having to be the best of your conference to go and try to play for a national title. And uh, yeah, Tennessee, again, they threw a big contract to Josh Heupel. We'll see if it uh, plays out where it hasn't played out well for some other schools. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. He joins us every week here on the show. Man, we always appreciate your time and enjoy talking ball with you. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you, your podcast, and what's coming out soon. Yeah, just wherever you get your podcast, Locked On SEC. We'll, uh, we got a show up today talking about Alabama and candidates for their offensive coordinator position with, with Bill O'Brien leaving. And some interesting names getting thrown around, like Cliff Kingsbury and Joe Brady, among others. So talk all about that today. And just a little primer for you guys, just to let you know, if you freeze wins eight games this year and then take the nine or ten next year, He'll be talking, con- you know, pay raise for him too. So uh, mm-hmm. get ready uh, to open up the checkbook for old Hugh if he has some success here in year one and two. <laughs> well, no doubt about it. I'm sure Auburn will find a way to pay a coach money. They're pretty good at doing that most of the time. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Chris Gordy again, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Man, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. All right. All right, thanks, guys. That is Chris Gordy. Again, he hosts the Locked On SEC podcast, uh, talking all things Southeastern Conference. A lot of basketball conversation today. did want to get his thoughts on the Josh Heupel situation because um, it's big news, and again, it's just one of those programs throwing big money at a young coach uh, who's early on in his career at a school. So we'll see if it plays out. But again, go check out Locked On SEC. Chris Gordy does fantastic work. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap up the Thursday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Thursday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Just got off the phone with him. Uh, had some good things to say about SEC, and he's right. I mean, the SEC in basketball, well, I said he had great things, maybe not so much, uh, because the SEC is just not all that good. Yeah, the, the SEC seems to be pretty healthily down. I mean, the top, right now you've got three teams who appear to be separating themselves from everybody else, and mm-hmm. even in that group you've got one team separating itself from the other two with Alabama doing what they've done. Uh, Auburn sitting solo in that uh, fourth position right now, but uh, coming off a a game that doesn't exactly inspire a lot of confidence. I, I started to bring it up. Um, before we went to break and started talking to Chris, but 
the guard play last night, it's confusing. Um, and it's it's amazing that there wasn't any roster shakeup coming into this year that helped you deal with what that AM team threw at you. Because in the SEC tournament, they threw that lengthy trap at you, and it, Wendell Green struggled with it. He struggled with it last night. But the issue is Auburn's guards, Wendell Green, Zeb Jasper, uh, Katie Johnson, and Trey Donaldson. That's who I'm going to consider, your guys who really handle the basketball. I don't think that group, any of them are have elite quickness or speed or elite court vision to be able to really beat a double team like that. And you see Wendell Green. Wendell Green's fighting for his life in the Literally. double team. Literally. And, and again, I gave him credit. He, he looked, split some, but not all of them. When, when, yeah, he, he split a couple and then they worked. But, but the vast majority of the time, it looked really difficult and really like he panicked some. I mean, honestly, it looked like <laughs> the comparison I'll, I'll make is it looked like he, uh, was like caught in a riptide in the ocean trying to keep his head above water because in in that double team, trying to fight around it and find somebody to pass to. Uh, I was a little shocked he didn't get called for a flagrant on that one turnover. Yeah. He's about six inches shorter than the guy who went up for the layup, and he knows daggum well he's not going to have a shot at playing that basketball. And he him hit anyway. him right in the head. Yeah, fouled him anyway. I was anyway. a little shocked they didn't look at that. Um, you Kate, bring up the roster turnover to try to help all that? They're sitting on the bench. Well, yeah. Treyor and Westry, they're sitting on the bench. Shocked Treyor didn't play. He must have had some sort of injury, right? I don't know. He's got minutes, and he's been getting a little bit better. Yeah, didn't, I'm shocked he went out there. Yeah, didn't touch especially, the floor last night. Especially in a game where, look, Dylan Cardwell right now is giving you nothing. Yeah. He is six foot 10, six foot 11, what, 250 pounds? Here's his stat line in seven minutes. Two fouls, three turnovers, two blocks. That's it. Not a single rebound for that for that size. That's unacceptable. That is unacceptable. He's a guy who, in his limited minutes, in seven minutes, he should grab two or three boards, in my mind. Yeah. But just because of how big he is. And we've seen him against AM last year in the SC tournament. I thought he brought a physicality that Kessler didn't have in that point in time because yeah. he's dealing with a shoulder injury. And I thought he stood up well in that game. He he is regressed. Katie Johnson has regressed. Alan Flanagan, the good Alan Flanagan is really good. Last night you got the bad Alan, Alan Flanagan. It was not it was not pretty. I know there weren't turnovers, but the shooting was really bad. Some of his um, shots, some of his shot selections were turnovers. I will say I I I don't think Auburn handled this game, the adversity of this game well at all. I think that they showed a lack of mental toughness, which is frustrating to say when you've got a really experienced team, I would, I would say Chris Moore is probably your guy that would calm everybody down because uh, he's the vocal leader, but he's just getting out there off injury. You could see he was rusty. I hated the lineups they were running out there with him. At one point, he's on the court with Trey Donaldson, Katie Johnson, Alan Flanagan, and Dylan Cardwell, and it's like mm-hmm. your best offensive option is Alan Flanagan, yeah. and he's having a hor- horrible night shooting the basketball. Well, look, man, here here is what... Here's what tells us the status of this Auburn basketball team. This is the current state that they're in. Your two best recruits, Yoan Treor and Chance Westry, don't touch the floor. You cannot go to them. Bruce Pearl does not play them because he can't play them because he doesn't trust them because they are not good enough to play right now. Bruce Pearl can't go to them. And the fact that, and nothing against him, Leor Berman's getting some serious minutes right now. That's not a good option 
Like, he is a walk-on. I think he's fine. No, I, I think he is totally fine. No, I'm not saying it's I, anything I against him. I give him minutes over several guys no, I, on the bench look, right I'm now. not saying it's a bad thing that he's that Leorn specifically is playing. I'm saying the fact that a walk-on is getting significant minutes and you have five stars on the bench that you can't yeah. play, no, that's, that's a problem. Jalen Williams needs to shoot the ball more than five times because he's your best player. Zepp Jasper, if he's going to shoot 50% from three, he's got to shoot more than four times. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. Preview Auburn, West Virginia. That's it, though. We're out of time. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.